Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to discuss the Apple event that occurred on October 13th, which includes a new 5G iPhone. <gasps> well, a whole bunch of them, actually, and the HomePod Mini. And there was so much camera talk while I was listening to this event that I had to go, Wendy, please help. So Wendy's going to help cover all of that in the camera corner. So sit back, relax, and plug in because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, our resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast. Wendy, I've never been so excited to have you on the show to help me not look like an idiot during the iPhone camera talk, and Michael, the software sage and hardware padawan. Let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had first this week. Wendy, did you find some old toys? Oh, yes. So after Michael, okay, my husband listens to the show. That, that I need to, if I haven't said before, he listens to the show on the regular basis. And he heard Michael talk about all of the amazing consoles that he found 10 oh, yeah. years after he left them at his <clears> brother's <throat> house. Well, I will raise your 10 years by five years. These have been at my in-laws for 15 years. And my <laughs> husband remembered that Whoa. they were there after the podcast. So we were there this nice. last weekend. And we have a Sega uh, Master. Yeah, Master System. Yes, a Sega Master System and one of the original Ataris. Both come with games. I haven't been able to get them connected to the TV yet to turn them on and play them. But that is one of the goals this coming week is to make sure there's space for them to stay and to get, get the kids playing old Sega and old Atari games. That is awesome. I, I, I'm really happy to, to see that, that, you know, your kids get to play their retro stuff, but also, uh, it's just really cool. That can be my just randomly finding something inspired your husband to go and look for the things that he was like, Oh, right. I did have those too. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> he actually found a couple of his like old, old cell phones. So one of the, the old ones, it was in kind of like a leather case. And so it has the side pouch with the antenna that you screw on it. He said it's the best cell phone he's ever had, even though it's like four times the size of our average cell phone now. Tell me he's put it back into production <laughs> and he's using it. I would totally love to if someone would turn it on to be used, actually connected to a tower, you betcha it would be in use. But the problem is, these old cell phones, it's hard to get anybody to actually. We need a 1G. We need a company to bring back 1G antennas so that we can get this phone right. Or we again. can have like a, a new oh retro style modern phone that's like a smartphone, but in the, si the style of like one of those brick phones. That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, we could make it like a sleeper phone. We'll take out all the components, put the new antennas inside of it, but he'll walk exactly. around with that. And People will be like, wow, that's an old phone. Like, yeah, thing check is, this out one what it is so big. There's no way you could even walk around. It wasn't meant to even walk around with. The power is one of the cigarette lighters, power adapters. It's meant to stay in your car and not. Yeah, but that's. Mm, those were the good old days. Yeah, those, those were the, good the, those old days. Are the Those were yeah. like the suitcase phones. But that this is, this is a, all this is is a challenge now. Like we need to, it's not supposed to do this, but it could do this. 
all it takes is attitude. You need to figure out how to make it work. And yeah, we'll give them a backpack with batteries in it that we plug it into. <laughs> so, Michael, what adventures have I you been on? got a capture card for my camera that I, I talked about in a previous episode. I got the uh, 6100, A6100 Sony camera, but I wanted to connect it to my computer. You need a capture card to do that. So it takes the HDMI out from the camera, puts it to the capture card, then it converts it to USB, then sends that signal to your computer. And I got that, and it is still in the box. I was going <laughs> to ask, and that, oh, I'm so disappointed. How many days uh, has it been weeks, in the box? I think. Something like that. That's, that's just <laughs> oh horrible. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> horrible. I think it's like two weeks. It might be longer. But at least two. How do you know it even works? So you could send it back if it's broken. You have I, no you idea. You are correct. I have no idea. Uh, good, good point. And what are we? So gonna is this do, one Wendy? that you plug in via mm-hmm. USB, or is it one that goes? It's a USB USB okay, three USB uh, connector. So it basically it, you plug in the HDMI to this, it then converts it to the USB signal and passes that to. It basically doesn't really, you know, send it to the computer. It just kind of passes through the data. So it, all the capture stuff is done on this particular card, which is I wanted to get this because it's a lot yeah. stronger than like a CamLink, and also turns out CamLink doesn't support. A lot of different cameras didn't know that until after I, I had one from like a couple of years ago. It turns out that that product doesn't support like a lot of cameras. And this one seems to support like almost all of them that I could test. Like I thought to check and uh, the one it does support the one I have. So that's fantastic. And I'm looking forward to try it as soon as I take it out of the box. I've really been wanting one of these. So I'm kind of jealous, though. I've been looking at the PCI ones. Oh, yeah. Those are probably yeah, those, those are, are way faster. better. Yeah, because they have, they they are closer. They're not using the USB uh, serial bus kind of thing, and I think this it'll probably be better. But right. this was more of like uh, laziness and efficiency. Yeah, that's it. All right. So this week, what I've been playing with is VR, virtual oh, yeah. reality, for all the young kids in the audience that haven't heard of it before. And I have avoided VR, namely because all the reviews and channels and games that I've looked at just kind of look junky. They, the graphics were, you know, polygons and, or just half-built games. And it looked like it would be fun, but not worth the few thousand dollars of investment to get a computer and the headset and everything else that you need to go along with it. Well, this all changed, and I talked about this a little bit on Destination Linux when I ran across a VR shop where their basic whole shtick is that you can go in there and try all of these different VR experiences. And when I went in there and we started trying this with the family, it just kind of blew me away. The way the kids were just so enthralled with it because they got to play first. And then when I put that headset on my head, I was like, wow, this... This is a whole new world, a whole new way of playing games that even though some of the games were campy, you still are completely taken into this new world. And it inspired me so much that when we left, I immediately went to the store and bought the PlayStation 4 virtual reality headset so we'd have one at home. And I've been playing with it with the family all week, every single night when I'm done with work go downstairs we all take turns with the vr headset and just have an absolute blast and it really got me thinking about how it's so important to get your hands physically on this technology to try it before you come up with an opinion on it and i know that vr is out of reach for a lot of people but playstation is probably the the most inexpensive one 
that has a whole gamut of games tied to it anyways. And it's just, it's so good. Games like Beat Saber out there, mm-hmm. which basically is lightsabers chopping uh, blocks, doesn't sound very good when you describe it. But trust me, when you're playing it, it's ridiculous fun. Well, it's, like yeah, it's like band. Rock Band or Guitar Hero with, uh, with lightsabers. That's, it actually sounds awesome to me. And at the same time, silly <laughs> nonsense, but awesome. So are you playing this on a PlayStation or are you connected it to a computer? Yeah, this is all being done on the PlayStation 4. I, I fell so in love with it. I only had the PlayStation 4 Slim, but I also got the PlayStation 4 Pro later this week, used, of course, and, and fixed some issues with the fans that it had inside uh, so I could get it cheap. But I got a PlayStation 4 and had it delivered and fixed up So because you can get a better VR experience with the Pro, you know, slightly faster res- um, frames per second and things like that. Uh, but honestly, on the regular Slim was just fine as well, the regular PS4. But I've been playing games like Super Hot as well, which is a lot of fun. But then Iron Man game that came with the headset in a bundle just blew me away. Like there's some parts where you're like, I feel like I really am Iron Man and I'm saving Pepper here. And yes, I'm finally a superhero. It's just that <laughs> cool. So I, I just was really excited about it. And I know there are so many better VR headsets out there. Uh, coming to the market and it just gave me a whole level of excitement because I've always been an AR person as Michael knows on the Destination Linux I talk about how I think AR is that thing that everyone's going to grab and I've kind of shooed away from VR but I was wrong I was really wrong VR is really something to behold and if you've not had a chance to experience it yet check out and see if there's a shop in your area ours was very clean and they had a whole process for COVID to make sure all the stations were cleaned after every time and stuff. So it might be something to go check out and see and have that experience with your family. Yeah. I mean, that's a great way to get started because you don't have to, this, the, I assume the cost of doing that would be a lot less than, you know, getting all the equipment yourself and that sort of stuff. And I, I wish there was one in my area. I've looked multiple times. Unfortunately, there isn't. So if you haven't looked before, you should definitely try it out and test it to see if you can find one. Because I have done it one time and it was awesome, and I played a very terrible game, but it was still fun. And just the imagine of like an actual game that's good—that would be mind blowing. Yeah, it's going to be endless fun for the family. I love it, and for me when I come over. Exactly. <laughs> this episode of Hardware Addicts is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud native apps. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point to your GitHub repository and let the App Platform do all the heavy lifting. It has support for Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, and Docker. DigitalOcean also runs their App Platform on their own infrastructure, so the costs are significantly lower than other products. Plus, they build this new App Platform on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup. As a listener of Hardware Addicts podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. Better yet, you can get started for free with a $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. You can go to do.co slash DLN again to get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform. And we want to thank DigitalOcean again for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. It's probably also worth noting, Michael, that we have two gaming servers now for the DLN network that you can check out. We have a Zenotic server that's up and we also had someone from the community 
Ninja set up on Arch, by the way, in Dio. I don't know how he's done it, but I can't wait to go see because I don't think Dio officially has an Arch, so he's done something with the server on the back end, but it's for Super Tux Cart. So two gaming servers out there yeah. that you can enjoy on the DLN network and hang out with other DLN folks and get your game on. All right, so for our core story this week, we had to address what everybody's talking about in the tech world, which is Apple's new event. Now, on October 13th, this virtual event, they released four phones. Four. Not one, not two, but four. You got the iPhone 12, the iPhone 12 mini, the iPhone 12 Pro, and the iPhone 12 Pro Max, which all now finally have 5G. So I guess that means 5G is finally real for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. in this section, we're going to talk about the hardware and then we're going to turn it over to Wendy to explain all the stuff about cameras because a lot of the focus on this iPhone, just like their prior release, was on the cameras and the work that they've done there. So let's start with the iPhone 12, which you can get starting on 1016 and the 12 mini, which doesn't come out till a month later in November. But you get 64 to 256 gigabytes of storage space and no expandable storage option still, which to me, when you have no expandable storage, these 64, 128, 256, the longer you stay in the Apple ecosystem, the longer this becomes an issue. If you keep and store your photos on your phone and all the apps that you start collecting and data and files and documents and things, this is kind of done on purpose to keep it low and the price is exorbitant as you go up for the higher tiers, in my opinion, to force you to use their iCloud use, you know, storage option yes. there. Which I would bet it's the main reason is so they can give people on iCloud. Now, iCloud is very reasonably priced for storage, but it's still something to me that's a little bit shady. I really wish Apple would put expandable storage back into their phones, but I don't think there is literally any reason for them to do so from a pure marketing standpoint because Apple users don't really like to complain about everything. They like to pretend and a lot, and I'm one of them, right? But I do complain, but a lot of them just kind of whatever Apple puts out, they're going to go with. Whatever Apple does is just perfect and it's awesome. That's one of my biggest issues or has been one of my biggest issues on the hardware side for Apple is I want expandable storage because it's not just photos that I have on my phone. And yes, I do use the camera on my phone but there's a lot of audiobooks and music and other things that I store on there. I don't want that all in the cloud. We regularly go to the mountains in the summer where I have zero connectivity. I need the space, period. I need the space. Yeah, it, it's a real shame. And if the Apple community would actually stop defending everything Apple does and start kind of getting upset with some of the crowd, you don't have to hate. Apple because of it, but just kind of, you know, get in there and give them that push that, hey, this is unacceptable, then maybe things would change. Because another thing that didn't change is while it's slightly smaller, you still have that same stupid notch and you still have no USB-C. So at least they're sticking with the lightning cable. So for anybody who is still on an Apple device, it may not be USB-C directly into your phone, but they haven't completely changed up a new charger. Well, they you. should. They should just. They should just adopt the USB-C. That way, it doesn't matter what kind of phone you have. You're going to have the support because that's the whole. They the idea of USB meaning universal serial bus, and we still don't have universal connections. 
and the USB Type C is the is the actually at that point is now finally a universal connector. And then we have the iPhone that in, insists on not using it. I, I agree. I mean, it, it would be a better connection to use. But if you're already in that Apple ecosystem, you probably have a million lightning cables. Yeah, but if they're already in the Apple, uh, the Apple ecosystem, they're already aware of dongle gate and just going to buy some more. Yeah, very true. <laughs> it's a play for Apple. <laughs> Apple, think about it. You get more money. <laughs> this is honestly another thing that's really frustrating for a lot of people is you get no earphones anymore in your box and you get no AC adapter to come with the device. So you just get that lightning cable and they oh, claim geez. that it's for what? environmental reasons because so many other people, you've already had all these different phones and upgraded. So you already have lightning cables and you already have the AC adapters. We don't need to make more and throw them in the box. What a great wow. excuse, right? Okay. A so $700 phone doesn't come with a charger. <laughs> don't want people who aren't on Apple to switch because they don't already have it. So we're not worried about them. I, I guess. Pretty much. Somehow they made the claim that it's going to save all this waste and everything else. But actually, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. But one thing they are doing, which is fascinating. So we've kind of given them a little bit of a beating here deservedly so on some of this stuff but the one thing that really caught my attention was the magnets in the back of the phone that so if cool if you ever used the apple laptops that had and they got rid of this and moved to USB-C on their laptops funny enough i don't know who makes the decisions there but <laughs> apple used to have a magnetic adapter magsafe adapter that would go onto the laptops it was the best invention ever literally you take your power adapter cord you get it close to the side of your Apple laptop. It snapped into place. It was a powerful magnet. And then when your kids went running by and tripped over your cord, the cord automatically released off of the laptop, did no damage, didn't knock your laptop off the desk. It saved me multiple times having it. I, it's just, it was a great invention. Then they're like, hey, let's just go to USB-C on our laptop and got rid of the MagSafe. Makes no sense. But it looks like they're bringing it back on the iPhone which I'm very excited about. So what this allows you to do is if you've ever seen the Apple Watch, which has the kind of magnetic device circular that snaps onto the back of the watch to charge it, you can do that with the phone or with mats or anything else where it will just snap, snap the charger on and start charging it. So I'm guessing USB-C lightning cable will never, or USB-C will never come to iPhone because it won't have a port in the iPhone Eventually. 13. Yeah, they're just going to take it off and you're going to charge your phone through a magnet, magnetized charger. Well, yeah, but they'll still need to do like some kind of data pass through because you, you can't like the charging for that can that conduction charging would be great for the MagSafe stuff. Right. But the using they, unless they want you to do everything wirelessly, which could be annoying and doing Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or whatever. Uh, I mean, that's the main reason I would see that. The, also, they would get rid of all the dongles and, they, you know, they love their dongles. So I don't think they're going to get rid of it completely. They do love their but dongles, do. but they love removing ports more, I feel like. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I'm curious if they that you can have this do a double time charge where if you charge the phone directly with the cable and then put the watch on the phone, could they charge each other? That's and I know that's kind of that silly. That is hilarious. I love how you're thinking there. Or what if you're charging it through the port on the bottom and on the back? Does that get you double charges fast? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Or does charges. that blow yeah. up your battery? We're gonna find out. We're gonna find out. <laughs> it's it's all for science. So well, the even if they get rid of the dongle dongles, one thing with MagSafe is there was a ton of additional things that you can put on the back, so an additional wallet or that kind of thing, which 
as far as usability, I find that way better than all of the additional dongles that you have to take keep track of because at least a wallet on the back of your phone that you can also remove and have it stuck there all the time seems like a better overall feature. You got to run into the store for one thing, your cards in the mm-hmm. back of it or, you know, whatever you need and you're not happy. Yeah, I would it. actually not. I wouldn't use this anyway because it, I don't know if they go through a case or not. If it goes to the case, then that's interesting, but I don't think they would. And not having a case on a really expensive phone will they almost guarantee backfire. The it they does. make that very yeah. clear that okay. it does work through the case so you can get the benefit of keeping your device in a case. And I, I completely well, understand that's what you interesting. mean. My devices have to be in a case. I drop them all the time. Um, my my vehicle's pretty tall and I've been known to get out of the excursion. My phone hits the blacktop and I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that was there. <laughs> yeah, that that was on my lap for no apparent reason. <laughs> I've not I've done that maybe once or twice. Oh, yeah. But um, there's also a case of like uh, you know, the, the, the adapters and stuff like the, the peripherals you can have for phones now these days. I know that this is silly. And, and, and if people have never tried it before, they're not going to really understand why this is awesome. But there's Please a, don't a admit product to called, this. Don't admit to this. You, I'm doing it. It's awesome. PopSocket is a product that you put, you attach to the back of your phone and it makes it really easy to have like a, like a stand and you can also, uh, have better grip on the phone and stuff like that. And there's so, if you haven't seen a pop socket, you should definitely check it everybody out. Everybody has seen cool. a pop socket. And I have to admit that Not is also a everybody. guilty pleasure of mine. Not only do I have a pop socket on the back of my phone, but there's pop socket mounts around the house. So I can just set right? my phone on the wall in the connector and leave well, it. And I'm I know officially I disappointed it. in both of you to get into the <laughs> pop socket. You're just, I use my wife just, all the time and I love it. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, the pop socket is something that some, it seems like a very ridiculous thing that you would never like see a value in it. And then you try and you're like, oh, wow. Okay, I get it now. Yeah, yeah they've made a whole ecosystem of accessories possible here with the magnet on the back. I think it was a brilliant move on their part. There's all kinds of magnetized pop sockets and other things you could throw into the back of your phone this way. And you could charge it or have you know, a mount in your car, for instance, where it just magnetizes on and and you're good to go uh, mounting the device. So there's so many things they can sell from this uh, from a marketing standpoint. Great job, Apple. Uh, Of course, you get 5G and they say they have the most supported bands of any phone out there and the most sophisticated antennas for 5G out there. So the best 5G experience, their claim is, is going to be on the iPhone which honestly, I don't doubt, although there could be another how you hold the phone gate, whatever that was called, problem. Antenna, antenna gate. gate. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. It could be another <laughs> antenna gate, depending on how you hold it. That's what I was thinking when they're showing. But it looks like they've done uh, a lot of work with the carriers to make sure that they're supporting all of the different 5G technologies out there, uh, including Verizon's millimeter wave. Yeah, and Verizon was in the presentation. And one of the things that on that antenna point, they made it very, very clear that their antenna goes all the way around the outside of the device. So hopefully, no matter how you hold it, it'll still have great connectivity. Well, based on how millimeter wave (laughs) works, you better have antennas everywhere and be really close to the tower. But that's beside the point. They have 5G and it's supposed to be really uh, solid. You also get black, white, product red, green, blue, you get true tone sensors, 2 million to 1 contrast ratio, 625 nits max brightness, or the 1200 nits max 
brightness on the HDR. You get fingerprint resistant coating. That was pretty exciting. But I think the thing that people are going to like a lot if you have an iPhone is the fact that you get the Corning new ceramic shield, which is probably a lot of marketing in that name there, which is tougher than any other smartphone glass out there, they say, which forms four times better in a drop. Now, how do you figure out it's four times better in a drop? I'm not sure, but that's the claim. You drop a lot of phones. Yeah, yeah, you, I, <laughs> that sounds about right. You drop a lot of phones. If it can survive one year with my husband, I will say that that's a great That's phone. right. We need to get them to send one to your husband and say, let's see if this ceramic glass really is as tough as you say it is. Well, and it's not <laughs> yeah. only the ceramic you have glass. A challenge We're for having, you, you know, the dirt environment that he works in that's also hard on the electronics and that kind of thing so i will say that it has great connectivity no matter what if it has good connectivity with him because it's the same thing what i was doing something on the computer last night he'd come in the room i couldn't get it to work he'd leave and it would work just fine of course your husband's magneto (laughs) so he's gonna love this phone because it has built-in magnets yeah it's 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 mag safe so it's magneto safe yeah so it can have all kinds of metal scraps stuck to the back of it so every time you pick it up you get a metal sliver that sounds fantastic i love it he's gonna love it too they also released the iphone 12 pro and the iphone 12 pro max again the 12 pro you can get on 10 16 and the 12 pro max you cannot get until 11 6 but you get 128 gigabytes to 512 gigabytes again same problem you get a little more nits they have a wide color P3, which as my understanding, and Wendy, you can jump in here. The Adobe RGB is kind of the competitor. P3 is very similar, but it all just means you get a better depth of field in your colors. Colors. Yeah, the, there's a little bit of difference. If you go ahead and do just a quick DuckDuckGo search, you'll be able to pull up a difference and see a picture side by side of these different colors and and what they cover. And so Adobe and P3 are very similar in that you get this really nice wide variety of colors. And and it's not just your red, green, blues. It's the variation within those red, green, blues. So P3 has a little bit less on that blue side, especially as it's transitioning into the green where OG... Um, Adobe RGB has that, but they cover a little bit more on the yellow spectrum. So it's just a slight shift of what colors you're getting. One of the nice things about this one is with some of the the yellows that you're getting, as we've talked about before, that the eye really likes greens. Hmm. So because you're getting all of those greens and some more in the yellow perspective, certain things will pop better with the P3 that you wouldn't get with the Adobe RGB. Though I think in general, the average person really wouldn't notice unless you had both of them side by side and were being like, oh yeah, I can see that. So it it just kind of depends on the pictures you're taking, especially outdoor outside pictures with a lot of greens and yellows in them. They would really be vibrant vibrant with this p3 color profile and this makes a lot of sense being in the pro line this is where we'll get into the cameras and things where you would want a screen that's able to replicate the colors in a more professional scale than a standard phone to make sure you got the shot you wanted 
Because most of them, you'll be in the sRGB spectrum, and that's reduced quite a bit in both the blues, greens, yellows, and a little bit of the reds. And one of those things is you're also reducing the variety of skin tones by crunching that down a bit. So you will get more skin tones with the increased yellow spectrum there, but it, it just kind of depends on what you're wanting. Yeah. Michael, does this intrigue you from a phone standpoint yourself? Because I know you'll use phone for thumbnails. You use phones to take pictures to make, you know, art or different things. Is this something having that replication on your phone matter or you just care about it on your monitor? I mostly just care about my monitor because on my, I'm going to be making modifications on my uh, computer anyway. So with the with the phone is nice to have it, but it's not a deal breaker either way because I don't expect the phone to have that great of a display anyway to be able to represent it as 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 accurate as possible. Also, it depends on how if it has collaborate or calibration or whatever. Because right. even if it was still, even if it was really good, what are the odds that it's actually calibrated for the right that's uh, the right color profile and stuff like that? So it's interesting. But I don't think it's a selling point for me. Well, let me tell you what will be a selling point for you. And that is the A14 Bionic chip inside of it. Because this is the first 5 nanometer chipset in a phone. And you had me at Bionic. I know. What a great name. (laughs) Apple is killing it here. They are just making some really fascinating improvements. And they're competing against themselves. I like the Snapdragon. But it's not even... the Snapdragon, it was not even up to the prior two chips. And now you've got the A14. So really, Apple's just sitting here competing against itself. They're packing 11.8 billion transistors in this A14, which, like I said, they're competing against themselves. That's a 40% increase over the A13 that didn't come out that long ago. But this, it- to me, makes sense. When we're talking about their processors and they're wanting to move to ARM, in their other devices, them having a killer ARM processor that can do all the things as we will dive more into in the camera corner is really important if they're going to do really heavy loads on an ARM chip in a laptop. Absolutely, but this shows you the brilliance of what Apple does in Convergence. And when we talk about the HomePod Mini in a second, you're gonna see just how brilliant this plan is. Apple has set out a long-term plan to get everything integrated. And my goodness, watching it come together like this has just been fascinating because they're doing it literally from the silicon up, right? They are they are building everything from the ground up to make sure everything is talking to each other and able to interact with each other in a seamless way, creating a near perfect ecosystem for those who are Apple fans. This comes with six core CPU, four core GPU. improvement in CPU speeds. Of course, we'll have to get a hold of one of these to see if that's the case uh, against their predecessor. So like I said, they're not even putting up specs against Snapdragons and other things, uh, not because they would be scared of the results, but this has all been benchmarked against the A13. We know it was the fastest mobile chip out. And here you are, they've got a new one already out. So I thought it's fascinating that they've got the first five nanometer out there that, of course, by itself is not anything super special other than the fact that now you can pack so many more transistors and other things onto this chip to create that power efficiency and to create that speed. They're just killing it here. And it can't, no matter if you're an Apple hater or not, you just can't deny 
what they've accomplished. So the iPhone 12 will set you back $799. And if you go all the way to the 12 Pro Max, I'm not going to go through every price. It's $1099 starting. So, you know, these phones are pretty much priced, I think, where you would expect it. No, no big drops like the iPhone SE, which was just a fantastic value on a phone. But, you know, they're pretty reasonably priced. At least we didn't see them go up to try to surpass fifteen or sixteen hundred dollars or staying around that thousand dollar mark. Yeah, they they already jumped the shark on the prices, so they're they're not gonna jump another shark. So that's nice. Uh but also the the SE is still a solid phone, isn't it? Like it's still a decent still phone. Still a fantastic phone. The SE is probably yeah. one of the best value phones out there. Whether you're on Android or iPhone, I think the new iPhone SE is probably one of the best phones all around you can get your hands on. And the 5G thing is a big draw. But honestly, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done on the networks out there. I know a lot of companies making a lot of claims about their networks and things, but it's going to be a little bit before all that gets built out, just like with 4G. And so, you know, the iPhone SE, you're going to have lots of fun with that phone for a long time. Nice. I'm actually thinking about getting that personally. I'm, I haven't really taken the plunge to get an iPhone. I haven't had an iPhone since like 2007, 2008. So it's it's an interesting thing because it's always been like an extreme price that I couldn't justify doing it. But the $400 one was like, yeah, I'm tempted. I'm tempted. Let's see what the next. And they didn't make another one. So I'm still I'm still tempted to get that one. But in terms of like the 5G thing, I don't really care that much because 4G is fast enough for my usage of a phone. But at the same time, I saw this uh, YouTube video about uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds's Mint Mobile thing, and he they did a they did a joke about like what's five G, and this like uh, technical person comes in, it's like the CTO or something, and explains it like it's an improved frequencies and blah blah blah, and goes, well, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> yes, exactly. In, in in true Ryan Reynolds fashion, absolutely. <laughs> so the other thing they released that had me very excited, and it's shocking that I'm seeing a lot of YouTube creators kind of come out there and try to give this hot take that, oh, this is stupid and blah, blah, blah. But I don't think they're seeing the vision here. But I caught on to it immediately with the HomePod Mini. Now, the HomePod was not a big success for Apple. That is no secret. It's one of their rare, honest failures in their devices recently in which they really didn't sell a lot. They've been on sale forever. And they haven't moved this inventory. But this HomePod Mini is a whole different story. And a lot of it is because, again, the big picture here, when you step back with Apple, the big game plan of integration. So you get this 360-degree waveguide audio, full-range dynamic drivers inside. All this means they were able to basically pull what I would compare to like a Sonos, where you're packing a lot of technology in the angles and the software that's driving these particular uh, magnets inside of this speaker in special ways to produce sounds and using software to find out where people are in the room. So you're pushing that sound towards them, which makes them think, you know, essentially it's all around. So it analyzes music and tunes, the loudness and the range and the movement of what's going on. You can also connect multiple HomePods to use with your Apple TV. Now think about convergence again here. So you have an Apple TV sitting in your room. You get two $99 mini HomePods. Now you have surround sound system that's wireless on your nightstand. That's pretty cool. That competes directly with Sonos, but there's even more. You could put these all around your house like you could a Sonos, except Sonos speaker, I believe one of the cheapest ones is somewhere around $179, maybe $199. Way more expensive. I have Sonos, so I absolutely love it. 
but at 99 bucks, I can put these, these little Apple minis all around my home and I can synchronize them at the same time. So they're all playing the same song or I can have different rooms playing different music or I can use it as an intercom. So if you have a home where you need an intercom to yell at the kids to go to bed because you're too lazy to get off the couch to go yell at them, you know, in person, a little Perfect. intercom right there where you can yell at them. I mean, how awesome is that? Uh, you've got Siri built in and the integration piece comes with, they were showing some of the technologies that are coming with this. So this isn't out yet, but basically you get your phone close to the HomePod it will transfer music. Like if you're listening to music on the HomePod, you put your phone near it, it'll transfer that song to your phone. So when you get in your car, boom, it's still playing the same music. Um, just it's got the haptic feedback. So when your phone gets close to the speaker, you know that it's done that transfer or it's doing the transfer of information. Like for a map, if you ask, where's the closest Sonic? Uh, the system will automatically get your phone near it, move the directions into your phone and you get into the car and take off. Just really completing this whole system of integration. And here's where Apple gets it and nobody else does it in the privacy world because they spent a whole ton of time, I don't see any of these other companies like Amazon and Google doing, talking about how they focused on making sure you could use this while still keeping your privacy. What's that mean? It only listens for Hey Siri, when we've heard that before from Hey Google and the others, but that was the first claim. Then it says, when you ask Siri something, your request is associated with a random identifier, not your Apple ID. That's totally different than how these other systems work. You control what it records. If you connect cameras, all video processing is done on the device before it's sent end-to-end -end encrypted to the iCloud. So your recordings can only be seen by you and you can choose and go in and delete all your recordings or choose to never keep recordings to begin with. And again, $99, $1116. I think the HomePod mini is gonna be a huge hit. When it comes to the privacy yeah. side of it, I can see how... Apple is able to nail that better because if you think about Google, overall, they're an ad company. So they want to sell you ads. That is how they make most of their money. Amazon has a huge, massive store full of stuff. They want to sell you items. So they want that data to be able to say, this is what they're looking for. Let's feed them more ads for this thing on whatever device they're on. So as companies go, the advantage of Apple, if you are investing in an ecosystem, is they want to sell you hardware and nothing else. So they're not interested in what other products along the line can they sell you, which makes it easier for them to be privacy focused on the hardware end of things. Absolutely. I think you made a brilliant point that a lot of people don't realize when they're talking because, you know, a lot of people are really huge Android fans and I get why you got that customization and everything else. You also get the sporadic updates, the updates that are sometimes controlled by your phone manufacturer, sometimes controlled by your carrier. So you have tons of people out there with phones that are unpatched. You have an ecosystem of apps that are completely gone wild with potential for downloading viruses and other things because the store isn't well curated. And that's the this risk. is a very interesting list of like talking about the quality of stuff because you're like they have lots of customizations and then a bunch of bad well, stuff. I, I mean that's how I feel though <laughs> is that the big thing for people with Android that I hear all the time is but I get to customize my phone and I could do what I want with it and yeah that includes not getting updates having the wild that's wild fair. west of the app store 
And also phones that randomly get ads that just ads pop up whenever you open the application. That's the behind it that is completely makes most of their profit off of ads. So in contrast, I, I wish a third player was in place and we had some more options, but Apple's nailing it. They know the market. They're going for that full integration and they're focusing on that privacy that nobody else can really touch on because of how their business model is. And whether you believe it or not, that Apple's doing all this. And so far, all of the claims that they've said about the iPhone and keeping the things that they say get handled locally on your iPhone have been proven to stay locally on your iPhone. They've got a good track record here. Now, what I will say is Siri itself is horrible. And the reason it's horrible is probably because they're not listening to every conversation and including all of that into their backend AI system because Siri is not a very good helper at all. Data does make that possible. The more information you have, the better algorithm you can have. So the easier and better it is to deliver whatever somebody is asking for. I see positives and negatives to both sides. It's kind of like what I've said on Deal and Extend multiple times. I wish I could take Darktable and Raw Therapy and mash them together. I wish I could take the best of Apple and the best of Android and kind of mash them together and have this not necessarily perfect, but more well-rounded mobile ecosystem. Well, those that say prove it, Ryan, that Apple is more private and secure than Android, I bring you two pieces of proof. Go use Siri and then go use Apple Maps and you'll realize they capture nothing. They couldn't possibly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Use Apple Maps and you'll you'll instantly know. <laughs> Are you saying that they're crap? They're just plain and simple. You know, they, they could use a lot of data stealing um, and metadata grabbing <laughs> to improve them probably. They could use some metadata. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of what makes Google Maps really good is when they've had the, the cars driving around gathering data from the road. I cannot believe how helpful that is when you're not entirely sure where you're going you can look at a ground view level and be like oh that's what that building is this is what this building is next to it so as you're as as you're coming close to you can see these different landmarks and figure out where you're supposed to be as long as google maps has it right because they don't have everything right if you put in my address where it takes you is about a half mile, half a mile away from where my house truly is. So not all of it works. That's just for your privacy. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So good job, Google. Good job. <laughs> so Wendy, I was just, I was looking at all the camera stuff. Uh, a real confession here. They were going through it all. I was looking at all the numbers. I was going, wow, wow, wow. Just so I look smart to anybody who was looking at me in the room. And then I thought, I sure hope Wendy can take all of these big words that they're using and all of this technical jargon and break it down to, is this new iPhone 12 camera system as amazing as they claim? We're not going to go through a lot of the the hardware details because if you want those, you can get them, you know, just about anywhere else. Um, We'll break it down to the main things that they've upgraded. And one of the things that they've talked about on both the iPhone 12 line and the Pro line, they have increased the size of the sensor. And they're saying that all of the their base cameras are a wide camera, which is kind of funny the way that they've worded some of this to me. Is but it marketing that, hype is what you're saying? 
Well, I mean, it still is a wide. It's using essentially a 26 millimeter lens. So when we're talking about millimeters on a lens, the bigger the number, the more zoomed in or tighter that image is. And the smaller the number, the more you're going to see as that sensor is taking a picture. So their ultra wide is 13 millimeters. The quote unquote wide is 26 millimeters. But this is the part that I find most interesting. So they've increased that sensor size. Unfortunately, they don't give numbers. And that's what I'd really like to know is what in numbers is bigger about it. But that, that's a conversation for another day. And I will definitely do some more digging there. But they didn't increase the megapixels. And I know if you've paid attention in past camera corners, it's not all about the number of megapixels. And this is a good move. They told you, Michael. It. <laughs> but, but, but megapixels. Megapixels. They've left it at 12 megapixels and let those megapixels themselves be larger on this larger sensor. And what does that do? One of the problems that you have on these smaller sensors is that there's still space between each pixel. So any light that falls in between those pixels is lost, right? That's data that you are not collecting. These larger pixels leave more bucket space, more gathering space for that light to hit. So then you have more information to process in the end. Great move. And I love it when people aren't pixel chasing, they're actually focusing on quality sensor. And that's one thing that Apple did here. Now, when it comes to processing, most of what was going on in the conversation of these cameras is really inside their chipset, really inside the software part of their phone. And they were really talking about low light levels and HDR. And here we go back to another camera corner when we talked about dynamic range. What can you see in the darks, the dark darks, and what can you see in the light lights? So because this is not only their camera with their processor and they're controlling everything in the software, They've been able to spend a lot of time analyzing these cameras and saying, okay, what are the downfalls of it? What are the upfalls of it? What can we pull inside of it, making sure that when it takes that HDR image, you are getting, at least from the examples they showed and the way that they talked about it, if I was taking multiple versions of a shot and blending them together manually, more of a cleaner image that you get. Because if you look at a lot of, HDR images from your phone. Some things are really blown out and look kind of funny. They have this weird look. They don't look natural. And the stuff coming from Apple, or at least the examples that they showed, especially in portraiture, they had a, a gal sitting in front of a window and she's got nice clean skin tone in the brights and you can see details in her hair in the darks. And that's something that a lot of people will absolutely love on the processing side. Is it really helpful in the hardware end? No, there's been some nice updates there. But when it comes to software, they've spent a lot of time and a lot of energy making sure 
that the data that they gather from the hardware is put to the best use on the software side in creating the final image for you. Now, is that going to be good all the way around? Well, we don't know. I'm going to go back to my fallback on the NVIDIA stuff. I really want to see this in the hands of reviewers, in the hand of the real world user, and see how the software breaks down on that end because you only get the best when it comes to the images that they're going to show. And I do have to give Apple a big high five on this. When they were talking on the speeds, the 5G speeds, they made it really clear that the highest speeds that they were getting were in the best possible conditions. And they told you that. They didn't necessarily say that on the camera side. So I'm hoping that the images that they showed are going to be your typical images and not the best case scenario. I do have to say that on the pro line, they do have one more camera on the back. So your quote unquote basic model has two, the wide and the ultra wide. And then on the pro, that's what they called it. It's an additional telephoto lens, right? Yeah. Telephoto, which I was a little confused here because the text said like 52 millimeters and they kept saying 65. So we'll go with 65 millimeter focal length, which in general, that's bringing you in way closer than the other two lines. It's more of a lens that the average photographer would use for portraiture would be in this 50 to 85 millimeter range is what's typically used in portraiture. So it's giving you more of that look. It's really bringing things in. It has optical zoom, which most of the time I hate optical zoom on just about every camera I've used. That way, the images are so much more blurry and just not clean. So we'll see how their optical zoom looks. So I'm, I'm interested to see how what they call the, the quote-unquote telephoto or the portraiture style lens looks in real life because of any of them if i was going to have a phone with multiple cameras having a wide and telephoto would be awesome so one of the things that really had me thinking about you wendy was when they started talking about apple's pro raw format that you can shoot in and what they were saying is basically when you you could shoot and roll today on an apple iphone but it removes all of that computational stuff you just talked about out, such as the deep fusion, the smart HDR, all of that gets removed and you just get the basic raw photo, which leaves a lot to be desired apparently. But with the Apple Pro raw format that they're talking about, you get all of the computational and the raw format in there. And that's because they can use that new chipset to basically be able to handle processing all of that. Is that something that was interesting to you? Because I know most photographers stay in RAW. I stay in automatic mode on my camera, and then I shoot in whatever you know cheap format doesn't take up a lot of space. But I know photographers, real ones, use RAW. <laughs> we typically use RAW, and the reason why we typically use RAW is we want more control over the processing of that image. So if you have a JPEG, you're left with, the processing that's left and while you can make some changes, there's really not enough data to make big changes. You can have your real camera set to save a JPEG version 
and our raw version of the photo. But as you mentioned, the raw has any computation stripped out. That's one reason why if you're shooting in raw on a regular camera, you can shoot so many pictures, so many more pictures at a time because it's faster for it to save. It is not taking the time to process the data and then saving a compressed version of it. It's just taking whatever it gathered and throwing it onto your SD card or in the case of Apple, the internal memory. They do have, and I have to say, a chip that I would love to get my hands on inside this new Apple device. And because of the speeds and because of all of the extra compilation that it can do inside of it, I can see why it can store both your base raw and then the changes that it would make at the same time, which is fantastic because your, I guess, average iPhone user could take that base that Apple has done and then make additional tweaks and changes to it if it's not quite exactly what they want. I think that's a really, really smart move for them to do because the average person that opens up a raw image, they're like, oh, that's flat and ugly. Right. Then you have to make all additional changes to it. If you can take a raw image, start with their base changes, which in all reality are really good. And then tweak it from there, you know, that's an absolutely fantastic starting point. Nice time saver there. So all in all, I know you said you need to get your hands on it to really say, but were you impressed with at least the technology they were throwing down? Yeah, I was. And that's one of the advantages that you have over an Apple device from quote unquote a real camera is because they are so reliant on the software side you can get some really nice, clean pictures from it. I, I think they've done a really good job giving the person who isn't going to go buy a camera but have the iPhone in their pocket ability to have some beautiful images of themselves, their kids, their family, their friends, wherever they're going, and have them be, you know, a lifetime thing. Very nice. Well, Michael, after hearing all this, does the iPhone sound more pleasing, less pleasing, or about the same? The iPhone as an ecosystem and the iPhone SE as a phone sounds interesting still. This new phone is still like $700, $800, so I'm not going to do that. But the other part, the $400 one, I am very tempted to get that. And I also, I've, I've heard a lot of stuff about even their, you know, the, the SE camera was, pr- is pretty good for its price as well. And that Apple is, n- or iPhones in general are just are known for having good quality cameras on them for many, many years. Apple in so, general has put really good lenses on their cameras and they've spent a lot of time even in the past focusing on the software. So yeah, you'll, you'll still get a decent picture, a good picture out of your, Apple SE, if that's what you end up going for. Yeah, I, I think that I'm I'm tempted. I still haven't made the decision yet, but I'm tempted at least a little bit more because of the whole privacy thing and because I have grown to care a lot less about the customization on my phone over the years. Right. And now I don't, okay, I just don't care anymore at all about <laughs> customization. And, and now I look at it as a pain that I have to deal with because the defaults of every Android phone is just so bad that you have to customize it in order to make you it You mean you work. don't like pre-installed Facebook? That's so weird, Shocky. 
I know, right? That, uh, who doesn't love bloatware, right? If I could get uh, my so, hands on a test one and it could survive my husband, because he typically needs a new phone Magneto. every year, right? Because of the, the stuff that he does and just who he is. So I don't want to spend $800 on a device that needs to be replaced in a year just because my husband owns it. But since your husband listens to this show and we've called him Magneto multiple times, how does he like his nickname? He thought it was absolutely hilarious. So he asked nice. me, how do you like being married to Magneto? <laughs> nice. I love it. Awesome. Well, that's it. Our 21st episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. This was a really good episode. Even if you're not a huge Apple fan, I think you could see the bigger picture of what Apple is doing here. And that in itself should be fascinating from a technology standpoint. So thanks for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix. And if you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all the amazing content on the Destination Linux network. Head to destinationlinux.network to check out all the amazing podcasts and YouTube partners available. There's so much to fill your brains with. And you can go to the destinationlinux.network store and pick up all kinds of awesome swag, including some hardware addict swag, which is kind of a must-have, I think, if you're a hardware addict. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware or hardware addict swag. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next time for another great 5G-powered Pro Max episode of Hardware Addicts. Every time, you just nail it.